welcome to another episode of Rhythm and Bay. As always, I'm your host who does the most, Jasmine Ellis. And I know I say this every week and I mean it every damn time. I am so excited about today's guest. No, legit. Not only is this person hilarious, incredibly talented, one half of the super funny Two Broke Bitches podcast, she's also like legit my homegirl, one of my best friends and uh, like kind of my comedy little sister. She's only like five minutes younger than me, but in my mind, I'm like her uh, her big sister. I just adore you. Please introduce yourself to everybody. Say hey. Hey. Thank you for uh, that beautiful... I feel the same way. Oh, anyway. Hi, I'm Era Juliet. I am Jasmine's comedy little sister, BFFFL, um, that bitch, you know, I don't know. I'm that, I'm that girl. Um, one half of Two Broke Bitches and out here doing things. How are you? Yes. I am good. I'm missing Austin. I'm missing you. Um, I, you know, I'm still reckoning with the decision to uproot my life and move across the country in what I believe to be the downswing of a pandemic, which turned out to be like the eye of the storm. And mm-hmm. so things are just dead and closed. It's scary right now. I've been like, ugh. Nobody wants to hear this part, but I've just been in this anxiety spiral, you know, where I just, at my head, I just one bad thought after another. I'm just like, oh man, if you go get the mail, you could get hit by a car. And if you get hit by a car, there's no ICU beds. So you're going to die of a broken leg. You know, like, it's, you know, it's yeah, I, you're not the only one. So first of all, vulnerability is amazing. I think that, I think that we, everybody's trying to pretend that they're okay. And I, I think that it's good to say, you know what, hey, I'm not okay. And this is real. That way people can support you and you can support yourself, period. But also like, you know, I, I've just come to, for me, come to this conclusion that like, it's going to sound crazy, but I, I don't, I don't give a fuck. Like I've stopped giving a fuck. Like I've stopped caring in, in the best way. Like nothing. I'm just like, when things happen, I'm like, okay. Like, like what, what can I do? Like there's, you know, um, I don't have control of any of these things. So, okay, I'm going to go pop, like pop a bottle of rosé when I get home. I'm good. Or I'm just going to go light my little, <laughs> my little, as I tell my mom, a little funny cigarette and I'm moving on. Like take a Xanax, <laughs> go to sleep. I'll look at that wacky tobacco. <laughs> I was like, let me get that wacky tobacco and watch an MCU movie. I don't know. Like, is the world real? Go eat a slice of cake. Is anything real? I don't. <laughs> I don't know. I'm an Aquarius. Is time, is space, anything real? I don't know. This is why I fucking adore water signs as friends. <laughs> as friends. As partners, y'all are the goddamn worst. Because Crazy. that whole, like, does anything matter? Is anything real? Like, am I your boyfriend? What is time? What is space? <laughs> me too. I'll be like, mm, you're, <laughs> you're a little too close to me now. Like, I, I fall, I'll, I'll, I fall in love so quick. Like, I can fall in love with, like, anybody, my friends, someone at the grocery store, like, my person checking me out, and I'll be like, I fall in love like this. I'll be like, oh, did that person, like, love? I've been thinking about the grocery store checking out guy and all this stuff or whatever, and then we'll hang out once, and then I'm like, never mind, and it just drops. I, like, I, I'm, I'm that way. I can be, I or I can be... I remember seeing you pick up a dude at the Cheesecake Factory bar while we were going to see Cats. <laughs> like, like, we had like 15 minutes to movie time and you got a whole bay while we were waiting for our cocktails. Because, by the way, y'all, uh, Cats was the last movie that myself and Tremaine, who's going to be on the show later because he's amazing, uh, that we saw before the pandemic. Was that the last movie you saw before the pandemic, too? That was no? the last movie. Yeah, me. That was the last movie. Cats. Cats on it. <laughs> 
It was the first time I had an edible. I had a teeny, teeny. Y'all gave me a piece of a Sour Patch Kid. And I'm telling you, them like, I thought Jennifer Hudson's no snot was going to drown me. I thought it was in 3D. I was, she's like, memory. (laughs) Touch me. Sorry. You know how we get. We love to sing songs. You know what I'm about to say. Jason Derulo. <laughs> the, the way you were like both physically and vocally expressing your attraction to Jason Derulo as a cat. And I know Jason Derulo is a handsome guy, but I've never heard you talk about how you found him handsome. So if the first time you talk about wanting to get in somebody's draws, they're in a cat suit. I'm worried about you. You know, I'm weird. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what it was. It's like, it's weird. It's, I'm going to be honest. I am that type of weird person. Like, yeah, like guys when they're dressed up. But I have this friend, like he's really, like the same thing. I'm certain he's really cute, really tall, really muscular. And I'm always like, oh, he's cute. And then one day we dressed up for Halloween and he wore a Chun-Li outfit. Like he had a dress on. And I was like, um, you're the sexiest person I've ever seen in my whole entire life. Like, I don't know why that made me more than seeing him in a suit. But it was like, he had the little buns on his head. And I'm like, why is this so hot? Like, <laughs> Ooh, that would I don't know why I, I can see that being really sexy I can see that yeah being like he sexy. has like muscular legs and like so it was just like okay okay did you, you used know, to play I'm, Street Fighter oh yeah I used to with my brothers who would you pick each time I well I mean Chun-Li um but I also really liked um what was it um Mortal Kombat Oh yeah, finish them. <laughs> yeah, with the with the two. I'm, I, I, those movies. It makes me mad because they were on Netflix at the beginning of quarantine. The movie Mortal Kombat. They're so horrible, so bad. It's like that really bad early two thousand CGI. And uh, but there were those two sisters, like Katrina and uh, like they didn't know that they were twins. Like one was evil, and all of a sudden they had to like. They were my favorite characters. I thought they were really hot and sexy, and wore those cool little booby things and. I need you know, to how revisit they- that movie. It's been a minute. Um, by the way, I bought this coffee warmer off of Amazon and it came with a steel cup. And I don't know why I thought that was a good idea to put that against my lips just now. And I was like, oh, it's very hot. It is the cup <laughs> itself. It's conducting heat. Like, I think it's meant to warm it and then I'm supposed to transfer it into another cup. So that's why I was like, the roof of my mouth, the roof is on fire. <laughs> oh, goodness. So I'm, of course, so excited to be talking to you today. Now, each episode, I like to start with a little bit of a music history lesson. And I i can't wait to like the real music heads find this podcast and get so aggravated with me because like my version of history is like taking it three years back in their minds like you know I mean? I'm, not, I'm not digging and, and the funny thing is like chronologically these things Have are you a heard long of time Sam Smith? <laughs> I mean but there's a story there you know when they came out as non-binary and like you know chose to shape like for a person existing in the gender binary who is famous telling mm-hmm. people no this is who I am you will address me as such my name is still Sam but mm-hmm. I am they, him, not he, him. And you'll just get used to it was groundbreaking. It is. It very much, especially as an adult, especially like having that realization, you know, already being a, a gay man, like already being like genderqueer and then be, um, being an adult and realizing, you know, within your own body, like, you know what? I still, there's still something there. I think that that's important. I had a friend after that happened with Sam Smith had came, kind of went through a same realization with himself. Cause it was like, well, Maybe I don't, you know, I, I, I think stuff like that really helps people when, when, when celebrities or other people 
say these things, it kind of, it does kind of help you think a little bit like, well, well, where do I feel on that? Or even if you're not, you know, you, it's just kind of like understanding, like, well, where do I fit in that? How can I help? How can I support? What is, what is this? You know, it, that was pretty interesting. And that's the thing. We are living through history every day. Like we're going to look back at moments like that and go, this was the first, you know, maybe not the first, but at least one of the most famous, um, out non-binary individuals in pop music like you know so we're all parts of history last episode i talked about the beef between 3lw where they got into a fight (laughs) at kfc to break up so like it's funny because to me that doesn't seem that long ago and then i looked at it and it was like it had literally happened 15 years ago and i was like oh shit yeah (laughs) Yeah. so i'm taking it back back with today's history lesson let me ask you this era growing up were you a disney channel kid or a nickelodeon kid I was more of a Disney Channel kid. I, I but there felt was like, that for you. It was like cartoon-wise, Nickelodeon was like, you know, obviously SpongeBob, like things like that. I liked that. But the TV shows, Disney Channel had that. That's how Raven, Lizzie McGuire, all that period, you know. Yes. Okay. So then you were going to be exactly the person I want to talk to about this. I am taking it back to one of my favorite love triangles, Lindsay Lohan versus Hilary Duff. And Aaron who? Carter. Aaron freaking <laughs> And now he, oh, girl, have you looked at his Instagram? He got an OnlyFans. Wait, what? Okay, so I, let me look up Aaron Carter because the last time he I looked at Aaron Carter. He got on his face. There were all these <laughs> jokes about him possibly being addicted to drugs because he was looking so gaunt and thin. No, yeah, he was. He went to rehab and he finally admitted that he was and he went crazy and like started saying stuff because one his twin sister died and then he started like saying some really obscene stuff and then he finally like went on a rant and when that whole Finding Neverland thing came out with Michael Jackson, because Aaron Carter was a Michael Jackson kid. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. He stayed at the ranch. He was, like, best friends with Shaq and Michael Jackson. And he was, like, first he always said Michael Jackson never did anything to him. And then, I I don't know, during the big parts of his drug use, he finally said something about it. And I was, like, I don't... (laughs) It felt kind of weird. Oh man, God, that makes me so sad. It's, it's, I have such a complicated relationship with Michael Jackson's music because like, I mean, my mom was literally the president of her like local small town chapter of the Michael Jackson theme song of the, the fan club. Like he means so much to her. And so I didn't like, I never grew up not hearing it all the time, you know? And it just, it reminds me of family and home and connection. And I, Music can make you feel something and then you can still acknowledge they're very real abusers in this business, you know, and victims can become abusers and that does not excuse the abuse they do. Like he was a victim as a, I don't know, let's, we'll have a whole other Michael Jackson segment when I really have the time to, I want to take you back to a time when Aaron Carter was a toe-headed young boy with a feathery bang because we loved a feathery bang in the 2000s. Every boy had a bowl cut that looked a little too grown out. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. I remember my crush. I was in Who was your crush? I mean, like, and, well, I always loved Jonathan Taylor Thomas. That was one. And like, but I had one I'm talking about in, in elementary school. I had a kid, a friend that had that hair, like that Aaron Carter hairstyle. And I was in love with him. I don't want to say his name because we're Facebook friends now. So, and mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I'm not interested in him now, but it's still just like, he did look like Aaron Carter. I loved that. 
I love that. That I love that for you. What a what a wonderful time. What a wonderful time. So we were going back to the 2000s, the early 2000s. Hilary Duff is the star of Scream. She's the star of Lizzie McGuire, one of the most popular shows on Disney Channel. It is a coming of age show. All of us are rooting for her. Then we've got we've got Lindsay Lohan, you know, from Parent Trap. She is becoming the star of movies. At the time, Diary of a Teenage Drama Queen is a huge box office movie. Do you remember that movie? I love, yes. That time period for for Lindsay Lohan was very critical for me because like it was, I don't know if it was so much, I wouldn't say a sexual awakening, like, oh, attractiveness, but it was like, I wanted to look like Lindsay Lohan during those times. Like her body was perfect. Like she was, it was like she was the one of the first women that wasn't like super skinny on Disney Channel. Like she had like nice chest, like she, nice. I, I just wanted to be Lindsay Lohan. Her hair. Um, so I remember Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen. I remember Freaky Friday. I remember Get a Clue. Like I was obsessed with her during that period. Herbie Unloaded. It was just because she. I don't. I don't know what it was. It was like she embodied what I think would be not that girl next door like cutesy, but just kind of like I don't know dark. Girl there was an door. edge to her. She was definitely packaged as like the movie star of the two. Like Hillary felt very, I don't know, Hillary felt very vanilla. Both, both. Like, yeah. Uh-huh. Like, so when the feud broke out between the two of them, essentially, and I, I do think it was very much perpetuated by Disney and over exaggerated, but essentially what it was is Lindsay was dating Aaron and then he broke up with her or ended it or whatever way. We will never actually know. But Lindsay was dating Aaron and then Aaron was dating. Hillary and the two of them were just on red carpets looking like brother and sister I'm sorry when people have the same hair color in a relationship I'm like you y'all cousins stop kissing Uh, I know and sometimes I mean there was this one thing off subject but there was this one thing there was a a a whole thing was like Brad Pitt always takes on the looks of the people he's dating if you ever google that there's like a whole list of every time when he dates someone he starts looking like them I gotta look at it. Is, is, that is that is a Libra trait. That is a that is a that is, that's where you just like. Oh, are we edgy now? Are we doing studs? We do studs now. <laughs> I'm like, all right. <laughs> so, getting in a little further into the, uh, I just I love that he has an OnlyFans that's been included in the whole situation. Now, the the feud between Lindsay and Hillary continues on as they get further into their careers. We've got rumors about Lindsay Lohan dating Chad Michael Murray, who then mm-hmm. turns around and also is rumored to be dating Hillary within like the same year. I really feel like there was powers that be that wanted to make money off of both of them. And I think it came to a big head when like Lindsay was like, I'm not entertaining this anymore because I'm too busy being bad. And, and she came out with rumors. That's all. Yes, you called it. Rumors started. See, you know, normally I do these and the person listening is like, oh, okay, that's Oasis. Good. You're the first person to know the song I was going to reference. I feel like rumors was the perfect way to remember this era. It spoke to, and I really think Lindsay Lohan was the blueprint for a Disney teen who wants to break out of Disney and get away from that. Whereas what's funny is I feel like Hillary went an opposing route that still worked great for her, which is where she just kind of did the Disney things. And then as she aged into other projects, she aged into them, but she wasn't like running 
she wasn't running towards adulthood. Like she just, I think she made her, her Disney money as long as she could. I think it had to do with, for me, the difference between the, the parenting. Like if you look back, like honestly, the way in Hillary Depp actually speaks about it, about how her parents and family were involved in her. She didn't have as much scandal or anything like that. But do you remember how messed up like Lindsay Lohan's parents were? Like the, the, yeah. they were going through divorce and like her dad was an addict and like her mom was like embezzling like the money. And it was just like, they were forcing her to work. And it was just like, I feel like her path and a lot of other people's paths um, sometimes are skewed depending on who's representing them or who's forcing them to, do you know what I mean? To be oh, yeah. like, oh, yeah. that, that's one of the, I, yeah. Like, cause that's why one of biggest Lindsay, Lindsay Lohan's biggest things had definitely had to do with her mom and her dad. Cause they were way too involved and wanted to be momager and well, a lot not of everybody's, not everybody's, uh, what's the gender Christian or not everybody's Christian or not everybody can do that. You know, people make their kids child stories because they could not hack it in Hollywood themselves. They couldn't mm-hmm. act. And so they're like, all right, well, we made a baby. She's cute. You know, we're going to give her all the opportunities from the second she's born. We're going to send her audition after audition. And, you know, it's easier to get books, a kid actor. And then you've got, you know, you're 11 years old with 11 years of experience. So you keep getting work. And yep. <clears throat> I don't know. Poor Lindsay. I, I will say poor Lindsay, but then she did have some raggedy moments that were recent and I had to be like, you know what? She is 34 years old. You know, you can't just be in Greece trying to steal people's children. Kids, and kids, and and off, you know, yes. Instagram live getting punched. <laughs> I hate how she did her face because she was aging. So oh, I can go on and on about how I feel like Lindsay Lohan really could have been. She could have been. Like I wrote that it, she, it actually breaks my heart sometimes because like you rewatch that stuff and I really think she could have been, that's all. I, I, I think all it would take is like the right script. If she got on like a Netflix or like an HBO she messed drama. Her face up. She messed her face up. I'm sorry. Oh. Like I, her face to me is, is she, she, she aged herself. She looks like she's 40, 45 with whatever she did. Here's the thing is white women are so in, in, obsessed with being thin and I don't blame them. I blame society standards, but they're mm-hmm. so obsessed with being thin. And the thing is, is like, you need co- like collagen and, and fat make your face look younger. Mm-hmm. You have to have some fat on you. So if you're like trying to weigh a hundred pounds and you're five ten, you're going to look ill. You're not going to look yeah. well. And then they just stuff all types of collagen back into their face, and it's just like their body's rejecting it, and it just looks like bean bags under a balloon. It just. <laughs> I think that we just like, I mean, as we're (laughs) keep getting off, but I I, I think that like, if we think about early 2000s, how like, how different they talk to women and how different like the body positivity was compared to now. Um, I even think about like, one of the things to me is most tragic is how they treated Britney Spears. Like if you look back at how she was 16 and they were, everybody was asking, like she would go on interviews and would ask her questions about her body, like at a young age, are you a virgin? Are you this? And it's just like, you could never ask like it now that, which I'm glad about like consent culture and us realizing that that shit's weird like if if there was like a young star now we would never be on a magazine or interviewing someone live and like being like well what size are you when are you a virgin are you trying to like did you sleep with justin Timberlake? like we would never do that now but the the type of um i think that there was weird a different different type of pressure of how they needed to look um like there's remember the countdown clocks there was countdown clocks to when these girls would turn 18. Like radio yeah. disc jockeys would think it was so funny yes. to be on the air. And like the, the Olsen twins turned thir- turn 18 and 10. What's I got to do with you? You 42 yeah, and, and nasty. These girls are millionaires. Do you remember? There's a one, that one Lil Wayne song in about four years, Highlight at me, Miley Cyrus. Oh, that was like Drake said that. Yeah. No, 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 no. It was, no, no, no. It was um, Drake. It was, um, 
one of the one of somebody from Young Money, but he's like in about four years. And I was like, I love how like the people I remember that song, Every Girl, and we're gonna end up putting it on the playlist yeah. since you mentioned it. Every girl by Young Money. Um I like a long head, big red, big red bone. Like me, y'all that pussy. I'm gonna get in I'm a own. Wow. He rhymed, he rhymed own with own three times in a row. And we were like, yes, king. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, that's so funny. Cause okay. Anyway, like, I, yeah, I'm a, I'm like, it's hard. I'm a, I'm a wheezy fan. It's so weird. I can't help. I know. How do you feel about him supporting Trump? How is it? How has it been free? Like, this is a great episode to talk about the conflict between the people whose art you love and the shitty people they are. How do you feel about him as a Trump supporter? Let me just say this about Black men. Sorry to y'all are listening. Y'all are the weakest link. Love you. But um, Black men are the white women of Black people. We're just going to say it. And... (laughs) I think black men are the white men of black people. Like, no, they, no, 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 no. Black men are the white women of black elaborate, people. Elaborate, please. Um, <laughs> okay. Ah, I'm like, this is, you know how like white women center themselves in everything and um, how like, okay, so I watched this movie and this is and it's, it's a situation like that, that I've, um, that I've been in where with, with, with the white woman before. So it was very interesting where it was like something happened to this girl and they didn't believe it until it happened to them. Like they were like how all these women can be like composed of stuff. Me too, me too, the me too movement. But then when it comes down to it, like some of the women will be like, Oh, what were you wearing? What were you, you know, stuff like that. And they're not mm-hmm. on that side. Um, and that's a very, usually like white women take or how like white women were the ones that ended up voting majority for Trump or how, you know, when you look at like, then they have all those, like when I started working in Austin, I was always so confused because I would see women with these like vagina earrings and I'd be like, oh, why? And they'd just be like, oh, feminism. And then like, they wouldn't explain why they were wearing like that, like it wasn't conclusive. And so for me, that's what I feel about like black men, like they just kind of will attach to an idea um, of something or they can be skewed a certain way. Um, I think I get also, not to cut you off, but I feel like I feel like I get what you're saying. Essentially, we have two groups that think that what's best for them is always what's best for everyone else who's somewhat yeah. in their margin. Like a lot of times yeah. people are like, we can't advance the black community until we do this, 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 and this for black men. Yeah. And even yeah. to the point where they like discredit and don't support black, black women. women because yeah. it's important that black men advance before black, black women. And then you have white women who are like, feminism needs me to be in charge and front and center. And it's like... I didn't call myself a feminist because, I mean, feminism was rooted in that suffragette movement, which completely alienated women of color, not just black women, but all women of color. White women made sure that they could vote before black men, Asian men, Indian men, and any other women of color. That was the suffragette movement. That's where feminism comes from, burning your bras. It comes from white women wanting to be free. And then also, I mean, there's... There's so much history. I don't want to go like deep into it, but it's just like even the KKK. One of the reasons why the KKK was able to stay as popular and as financial abundant is had to do with the wives of the people who were <laughs> people in the KKK. Like they were the ones holding up the financial. They're the ones organizing these. Like these are the things like where it is crazy to think the KKK we, had a booster club. Like like somebody was making brownies for the KKK. Like that's somebody's job. 
this is a whole different topic. We're taught that like white women are these soft, thick, like soft. When you see, you think of this, you know, white women stuff like that, and then black women are these hard and or any honestly like anything we say. Like I could be saying something, and a white woman can say the exact same thing, but what I say is it comes off rough and abrasive and ghetto, you know. Um, and we're taught that way. And then so men also, black men also have that plight. Like what about black men? Like we were the they're they're throwing us in the prisons. They're doing this, and I'm like, I'm sorry, but y'all are also murdering black trans women. Like y'all are actually like you know what I mean? Like. Like this movement isn't like about like just, there's a whole um, disconnect sometimes. Yeah, and, and I definitely, I definitely see that. Like when I would post things about protect trans women, protect black women, people be like, well, what about protect black men? And like, it's just like, do you hear yourself? Because you, you sound like all lives matter people right now. Like you're trying yeah. to silence one movement when you could just also well post that on your wall then post protect black men yeah. on your wall this is my space this is my voice i can say what i want you know yeah this is a very valid point and uh yeah. i mentally i cannot track why we said mm-hmm. this about Lil wayne was because why you asked me how i feel about Lil wayne and i was like Thank because it, i was like how do we get here from lindsey lohan though <laughs> But a lot of stuff from little <laughs> Lil Wayne, because we started saying stuff, because I said, he said, four years, Miley Cyrus, blah, blah, blah. We were here. The thing about, and you asked me how I feel about him supporting Trump, is it, the, the proof has been in the pudding all along for, for Lil Wayne. Lil Wayne is old. I mean, if you listen to some of his lyrics, he's the same thing like Eminem uses, like, the F word, which like for a big slur for a gay man, like, all the time. And it's saying all these things. He's always kind of presented himself and in that matter. And then you think about him, like, I mean, I remember the whole free wheezy thing. I was in college when he went to prison because he, you know, he wouldn't snitch and like the things that he's been, how much money and the way that he talks, he's not, I mean, he's not for the people like, and, that, and that's how honestly some rappers are like some are, and some aren't like some people are just into that life. And so when I saw that Lil Wayne did that, I was just like, it makes sense. Like it irritated me, but I was like, you're, that's why your dreads look like that. That's why your skin's got crusty. That's why you keep going. Like, I didn't even remember, remember that one year when everybody died because he stayed, he stayed in the hospital. Remember when he just kept doing lean and he had a heart attack and he was in a coma. Like, remember that was like 2012. I'm like, that's why this stuff keeps happening to you. You have hatred in your heart. Like I'm, until you do right by me, until you do right by me. So, I'm, I'm just saying like, it didn't, it didn't surprise me, disappointed me because I'm like, cause then I, it made me feel like, like, you know, like, I'm just like, I hear like, you know, I don't know if you've ever, you know, you've watched Insecure, that one episode where Issa Rae like gets in the car of her brother and he like, she like slams the door and he's like, what's your problem? And she goes, niggas like that's how I feel <laughs> like when I, when I saw that and I saw him go and I'm like, that's, that's it. That's and the thing is, anyone mine. listening has got to keep in mind that this comes from a place of love. Like we, like yeah. we are right now, we're two black women talking about mm-hmm. issues within the black culture that really are like, like it's like it's like a family. It's like when you have mm-hmm. that one family member that like you want to do everything for them to make things right, and all they have to do is stop skipping school, and they're like, but why? Like it's so, <laughs> it is frustrating to keep explaining to these people like, hey, like it, we're all in this, you know. So I absolutely yeah. feel you on that. And, like that makes so much sense. So it's it's funny though. I think what it comes down to is uh 
uh, I think we are moving to a point in, as a society where we're seeing the problems with capitalism and mm-hmm. we love our rappers, but rappers have been promoting capitalism for everything. You know what I mean? When you're talking yeah. about your riches, when you're renting out a mansion to have a music video in there, like you are worshiping wealth. And a lot of us are looking around and going, you know what? I'm a lot closer to making 40K a year than I am to making 4 billion. So I don't know shit about what you got going on. You and I are not the same. (laughs) I don't know. And then sometimes though, I will do stuff like, uh, there's this one lyric from a Travis Scott thing. One time I, like, I don't know, I got inspired by it. It was like, just, just spent my check on the weekend. And I was like, like, (laughs) and I was like, fuck it. Let me spend my pay. Like, anyways, that stuff like gets in your head. Like you think, well, I mean, do it. Like there's (laughs) rappers have all I just I I get really excited about like alternative rappers and alternative R&B and like people that are leaning more into the expansive ideas like I love you know Frank Ocean um I love like Ben Staples these are people that I've heard openly speak about you know queer um things or um in their black communities things like that uh and I think that that has to do with it's something I've talked to a bunch of my friends about like old heads and like Mm -hmm younger younger community um so you know what what you're saying actually takes me to a great point we should talk about your top five songs because you're already getting into like what type of music really moves you so you've got five songs you got to choose five songs that represent who you are or tell your story they don't have to be your favorites they have to be songs that really resonate with you all right what's your number five my number five will be all because of you by neo and not Neo. I don't know why I laugh when I think about Neo. I think it's just because of how he looks when he takes off his hat. Yes. yes, because of the hats, the dance moves, and like there's so much there's levels to this, okay? When that song came out, that was like one of the the first songs that I was like, I was in high school and I was like, I wanna go to a dance and dance with somebody to this song. Like it was just so like you know what I mean? It was one of those first songs where it was like it made you feel like I want someone to hold me and like dance. I wanna go to school dance and be like you know, um, <laughs> dancing to that. Like, that was, like, one of my my thoughts. Um, okay. But then also... It's 2006. It's 2006. Mm-hmm. You're in high school. Tell me what you're wearing to this dance. I want to create a visual for our listeners. I can actually send you a picture because it was homecoming. It was pr- a purple spaghetti strap dress, um, which I still always had double D breasts. Oh, did you saw? It was very a lot. <laughs> and I'm like purple... <laughs> glitter here and then it mm-hmm. had but right I had under glitter. the dust yeah like right purple glitter here and then um i had a little the the, the um thing under the chest it was like purple ribbon like going like this so it makes your your waist go like and then a purple <laughs> the, the part of the dress that flared i was like purple tulle and it went to like right above my knee and it was purple glitter I love it. It sounds like you, that sounds like what they would wear on competition episodes of Glee. Like that sounds like that, like Betsy Johnson style 50s revival dress that was hot back then. I love it. Did you have a coordinating purple flower in your hair? Because that was a thing back then too. I did not. I was super, oh God, and this is such a bad time. Remember when people used to do glue in weaves? Yes, Do you remember glue in weaves? Oh, Oh, the damage. Not a glue, oh so no, I couldn't put anything extra in my hair. Oof. I'm just glad, I'm glad that it that it's come back. Um, but yeah, that was like one. Of, it was just a, a I guess like a awakening for me. Like oh, I just want to like dance with a man and someone to feel like that about me. But then also, I just recently reconnected with it. 
like the last couple months, like, like a couple months ago, I got um, one of my favorite things to do in my house is I'll get really, really high. Um, and I have um, these LED lights that I'll just play. Like I'll get dark and I'll have like pink and purple and like strobe lights going on. And I was playing a playlist and for some reason, All Because of You by Neo came on. And I just like just started crying <laughs> like oh. I don't know like, but like not a bad way it was just like a emotional <laughs> of like a, a a release and then I think I listened to it maybe 10 times on repeat and it was like I live alone so I'm like going across like my wood floor like singing it you know so deep like no there's much truth like you know and it was just like me getting powerful like like it was like a power song of looking at myself in all my mirrors like I, like in the shower like I'm so strung up on you I, I love that you have a full R&B video at your house like on the hardwood with the lights yes. in the yes. shower but when you're but when you're I mean when you're like when you're marijuana high, I don't want anybody to think I'm crazy. Um, when you're marijuana, like, and you're in the shower, everything is amplified. I don't know how to explain it, but high showers are all the way up here for me. Like 100%. I love them. And the music is amplified. Like you can feel the music in your heart. Like, I don't know how to explain it. I can hear everything. I can hear the horns. I can hear the, the drums. I'm like, wow, who's that on saxophone? Who's that? But like, you can hear every aspect of the You're song. on Wiki looking up the, 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 the saxophone player. Like, you, you I gotta like, give him his props. Yeah, they're like, was there always someone playing triangle in this song? Like, you just hear, like, random stuff, and then the water's running down, you feel the water, like, you feel the water extra, the steam, and you and it's just, it, just it, it's a forming song. Neo, but you're giving me all the Britney vocals with that, like that, like that growl you're doing. I'm a fan. I like it a lot. <laughs> I love it. That is so funny. So you just you just connected me so much emotionally to that song. I don't know why knee jerk reaction. I laughed when you said. I think it's just because like Neo was such an important part of the culture, but for some reason he just feels corny to me. Why? So why, does, why do I feel? Why does he feel corny? It's because, and that's, it's so funny because after that happened, when I reconnected with that song, I was like, there was, it was like a four month period where Neo was everything. You remember he could put out a song and everybody was like, mad at you, like because of you, um, what is that, closer, any, yeah, anything he put out, everybody was like, woo, and then I, it, I think it had to do also with like that time R&B like started getting sexy, like Trey songs, Chris Brown, um, things like that where no one had the fedora <laughs> and, doing, and doing like their little this or whatever. Cause I don't know the stuff that Neo does. It was just very corny and he's not, he wasn't as attractive as some of the other R&B artists. I feel like that they were putting, pushing forward, but he, but musically, which is crazy is he writes, most of his stuff can play majority. So musically, he's more, I don't know, smart, like intense, but he just wasn't like, I would say the pop look or that look that they were looking for. Um, mm -hmm. And it just, I think it just had to do with, I, I, and I also feel like, and, and not feel like, but it's like, there's also a lot of like, I mean, in music colorism period. So it's mm. just like a lot of like, as I said, that, that time period was when Trey songs was introduced um, Chris Brown started um, getting weird. There was another one. I just remember Jay Holiday, like things like that, where it was that, that, that um, it was like an Mario? influx of, um, yeah, he was, he was a little before when, uh, what was it? You should let me love. That was like, well, when was, I don't know when that was, but, <laughs> but um, that time period, I feel like when it was like an influx of like 
sexy, like light skinned R&B guys and Neo had a fedora on. <laughs> and you know what, maybe that, and that speaks to colorism because one of the, the one of the things that is really prevalent in colorism is this understanding of like homophobia and sexism within it. Like we associate dark with masculine. And that is one of the ways that people discredit the beauty of dark skinned women all the time. And it's also when you think about R and B and the softness and the sexiness, I think we associate that with light skinned people. So I think maybe there's even this, like this under like this underlying bias that like I expected a dark skinned man to be tougher. So to see a dark skinned man being so vulnerable was like, boy, if you don't put your little shot, head on and get out you know what I mean like what that is that might be like an internalized bias I mean like that might be something I have to like think about I didn't even you thank you for pointing that out like that might be a blind spot I have when it regards to like how I categorize certain men as like sexy versus not sexy and I can be honest that is something I mean honestly for me I, I that is a thought like that I've had process I've had before about like not when it comes to music but even in life like oh darker men light and stuff like that um you do see that as more aggressive you do see more of those you know male harder rappers dark skin things like that you're gonna think on that realm compared to I don't know like you think of I you know Trey songs like the little I that's all like for some reason I just feel like Trey songs was like that was that epitome for what everybody wanted to be in that period um just yodeling on the mic and we yeah. loved it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like we loved it. <laughs> poor poor Trey could not figure out who he was from song to song because he was either imitating R. Kelly or he was imitating Prince and it just bounced from song to song. Yeah. I was never honestly a huge Trey song fan, but I did love that one song that is it the one he's with. Nicki Minaj, but it's only because Nicki Minaj is on the end. All of her features. Can I get that? But can I get that? Him? Can I get that? 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 That's all you know, because you know that part's coming up. So you're like, oh, let me. I just remember jumping on couches, screaming, "Rest in peace, Anna Nicole Smith!" Like I was like, the 2010 was a was an era, man. I. I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a hardcore Nikki stan. If you have any Nikki on your yeah. list, you're my favorite person. Yeah, I'm just like I. Uh, yeah, the, some of the some of the lyrics that people would say in the early 2000s would not fly now. Um, oh yeah, I think about like one of Lil Wayne's lyrics, like I'm Ray Charles to the bullshit. Rodney King baby said I beat it like a cop. Like what? Yeah. The- and then there was like this other one he does where he says I don't like the word the f word that the, the gay slur, but he was like I'm on some f word bullshit. Call me Dennis Rodman. What song is that on? <laughs> Call it Dennis Rob. <laughs> I can't remember. But I just remember being like, "What? Who's who's who's?" And I say, "Do you remember what song it is? Because it's gonna go on the playlist now. You got like eight Lil Wayne songs on this track. You're gonna have the most songs for any episode now. You know what's crazy? It's actually the song from one of my lists. That's Let's just Millie, go right to it then. A Millie." A Millie, a Millie. I love a Millie. What a, a Millie what a colorist nightmare though. Tougher than Nigerian hair. Nigerian hair. My criteria compared to your career just isn't fair. I'm a venereal disease like a menstrual. Like a menstrual I believe. The tablet in my mind because I don't write because I ain't got time to mess. I can't write all of the almighty power of the Yes, I love a Millie. That was like one of my Tell me why a Millie. 
<laughs> okay. Do you remember? I don't know. Well, I don't know if you remember when that song came out. That was Carter of 3. The Carter 3 was, like, I grew up in Houston, and even though Lil Wayne is, like, Louisiana, there's, like, some rappers that, like, claim, he, like, that it's, like, even though they're not from there, like, they're Houston claim. So it was, like, Lil Wayne is, like, was still a big thing. Um, but when Amelie came out, that was, like, I think I was 15, and it was like all the cool guys you wanted to learn like the the um like the lyrics of that like you wanted to be able to rap like all of that that was like if you could do it like if you knew all of it like it was really cool so I set out to do that like I was like learn the whole song I could do it without like looking at the lyrics I would do it on karaoke like that was one of like that is uh, that's it and it's um so it was just like it was very much like and it was formative because I I was like I'm my my music case was so weird I was like at the beginning of (laughs) high school was very emo Mm -hmm. and then it was like Mm -hmm. I met a guy in high school that was like thought he was really cute and all of a sudden it like switched up the heat like Lorraine and here I love y'all and I was like you know what maybe I like Lil Wayne and so I just started like diving into like deep Lil Wayne discography like I was like you know listening to No Seals like all his um you know mixtapes things like that and then also Amelie has like three different unreleased versions so like that's why it was really kind of cool um because that that song was just really cool for Lil Wayne because that was a freestyle like that was one of his songs that was actually recorded him on his phone, just a freestyle, not written. He just keeps going. So that's why there's three different uh, three different versions of it because they picked like from which one sounded the best and made a better one. I so I just thought that, yeah, that's why I thought it was really cool because it's like, it's a really cool song. You feel very like, I don't know. I feel like that's one of my bad albums be driving. Like they say I'm rapping like Tupac and Andre 3000. Like, you know, I just feel like you feel badass um, about it. Uh, so it's just a very, it's a very, I don't know, powerful song for me. Um, it sounds also- like that is something for you. Like, I've always thought you were such a dynamic performer. Like, even like early, early, early into stand-up. You know, you can like, when you're just, just getting the legs where you were one of those people who just, the stage presence was there. Did that come from karaoke? Did that come from like getting opportunities to just get in front of a crowd, rapping a song and impressing people? So wish I could say that was, but I've always been like, even as a little kid, like I've always been, uh, I was a middle child. So I always wanted attention and like, I would be three years old, you know, singing songs in front of parties. Like for people, my parents would be like, Eric, come out, you know? And I'd be like, yay, you know, we're making up random <laughs> jokes and stuff. Um, but I did theater all throughout high school. So it was theater. I did improv. I did, I love karaoke, but I do feel that's one of the things I do feel like, this is why I love rap. I love the feeling that rappers give you, like that rap feeling like. Like one time when I went to a strip club, it wasn't the fact that I was at the strip club, it was just the fact, like the music that was playing, that that vibe, that thing, I'm just like, I'm a rapper. Like, like I don't, it's just like that. They embody like, it's just a lifestyle of- Confidence. Yeah, like you're just like, I don't give a fuck, like, give a fuck, cut you up, like, and you're just like, stuff like that you feel, I don't know, I feel hard. And I'm not <laughs> like I grew up in a white household. So this stuff like that brings me like it pulls me to my culture, makes me feel hard, makes me feel um, I don't know. Like I, I, I that's one of my like my switch up. I listen to some Lil Wayne and I'm like, where's Erica Badu at? Who that who that said they gonna beat Lil Wayne? You know, 
<laughs> I love that. I love that. And I love the, the sharp contrast between like just human milk dud Neo and uh, like, <laughs> the hardest rapper alive. Like the contrast is really... <laughs> I mean, Little Wayne, I think Little Wayne too has definitely like you can hear the short man syndrome in his raps. He like he he comes at the situation like I'm going to I am going to just eat all you rappers alive. I'm going to just attack. I remember not liking Little Wayne early because I wanted to be so different and so smart. And at the time, I wanted to like have an, like a negative opinion about everything because I was one of those people who wanted to be different to, for the sake of being different. And I remember hating Little Wayne because I hated the song Fireman. Because of one particularly, I thought it was so stupid when he said, "You know what's on the fire, man? Fire, fire, man!" I hate it. He's like, "Put the niggas in the trash can. I'll go pick them on your house. I'm the trash man." I was like, "This is stupid." This is <laughs> and I like tried to hold his whole career in my palm by like judging that one line about niggas in the trash can and not like looking at his entire discography. I was like, "I'll never listen to this. I'll never listen to this." And then what got me into Little Wayne was when I pledged AKA and I crossed. And I would be like, aren't we supposed to be upholding, you know, the tenets of sisterhood and grace and legacy? Why are we busting that pussy open? But like, it was when you would be scrolling and it was, it was confidence. It was, and I think that's the essence. And I understand what you're saying about connecting to it. It's like, even now for me as a performer, I love, I love to listen to hip hop before I go on stage. Mm -hmm. It puts yeah. me in this headspace that like, but y'all came to see me and I'm about to fuck it up. Like that feeling, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a hype song. Like a Millie, if you play that right now, I would feel like I'm about to go in a ring and box. Yeah. It's, it, that's one thing I can say, um, well about rap songs, but there's also like, they're very hype. There's certain songs. That's one. It's just like, also for me, it's like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm gonna go spend some money. Like, I don't know how to explain it. Just puts you in like a, am I a gangster? Like, am I like, you don't know who I am. Like, that's what I, I do love about stuff like that. Um, and as I said, I was not a Lil Wayne fan either. And it was just something that did. And then it's, um, I think he's silly, but he got and his lyrics be silly as hell sometimes. And I was just listening to one in the car earlier and I was just like, but it's just, I don't know. It's ingrained in me. I don't, it's just like, did I write that? Like, did I write this? Like, it feels like I wrote it. Like, I don't like, is it? People <laughs> underestimate the cleverness too. Like when he said real G's move in silence like lasagna. Like you can't, come on now. <laughs> you can't pretend One of my favorite he does his own song uh, and he's like that was one of my favorite lyrics from a long time like literally he's like girl I fuck who I won't and fuck who I don't and I was like oh like <laughs> you're gonna make me listen to the Carter 3 you are gonna make me pull that that it's was a, a whole, thank you that's a mood that's a whole that's a that's a actually a really good album I was like we could list all the Mrs. Officer was on that one um what's the what's the that, that's a good album Mr. Connor. That was a good one. Mrs. Officer might have been a little bit of pro cop propaganda, though. I don't yeah. know how it fits into an A cab world. I just oh don't. yeah, now now I can't now I can't do that. But I used to be like wee 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 <laughs> like I got. <laughs> what happened to Bob? See, Bobby Valentino was another one of those R&B guys who popped up with the waves, and we were like, we accept it. It's cool. And he couldn't dance to save his damn life, and we were fine with it. I remember so he, 
Yeah, I, 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 I was in love with Bobby, Bobby Bones. You know that. I just want to get to know you. But don't <laughs> turn around. <laughs> I'm pretty young thing, but good to me. You are going to get a sued and it's worth it. And they're like, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just like talking shit. I'm Ray Charles. 20 minutes of a song. (laughs) I'm Ray Charles to the bullshit. I'm sorry. (laughs) Now jump up on the stick and do a full split. Okay. Anyway. You are hitting with all the little wing lyrics. Okay. So I I literally, like, I've decided to cut you off now and I'm only going to put the song you put on your list. Because if I'm listening, you mentioned like 10 songs. Okay. Give me track number three. What is track number three on the playlist of your life? All Coming Back to Me Now by Celine Dion. There were nights when November's alcohol. Yes. Yes. Okay. Why that song? God, emotionally, you were hitting me with this pendulum of like romance, gangster shit, romance, gangster shit. Tell me why Celine Dion all coming back, which by the way is vocally a wonderful song. Like it's just so good. I want to listen to that in the shower and just like cry it out. Please. It would made you. Can you that. believe that's my my go to karaoke song? Mm, like, you know what it is. I actually I totally believe it because here's the thing: if you want to win at life as a black woman in karaoke, you go to a karaoke space where it's mostly white people in there, and you sing something that's so in your range that you sound like you are murdering it. Then everybody wants to buy you a drink. You can. Oh, I used to go to this karaoke place in Wichita Falls that only old people went to. It was called Pasquale's. It was like this little Italian restaurant, and I would sing. These boots are made for walking, and <laughs> they loved it. They ate it up they would like I, the marriage proposals the people were buying me tiramisu like not a drink a whole meal like making sure they had appetizers i know especially if you do a song that they don't expect like no one expects you to do i'm sorry like all coming back like the like that's my go-to and that, that's not why this is my song but it is my go-to karaoke song but one time i did it for a uh we had a work christmas party a couple years ago and I didn't, this was one of my other jobs. No one really knew that I could sing. And they were like, and I didn't go up first or anything. They're like, Era, you haven't done karaoke yet. What are you going to do? And I was like, oh, All Coming Back to Me Now by Celine Dion. And they're like, Era, that's, no, what? When are you not going to do that? And I was like, yeah, I am. And then they, because I'm such a silly person, they thought I was going to joke, you know, joke around and do it badly. But I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. Like, I'm going to sing this. And everybody, it was like, literally my whole coworkers were just like, like they just didn't like they were like we didn't we didn't and I'm like yeah like she's multifaceted like I'm sorry she <laughs> like I'm sorry I know that I have a deep voice but I can hit the baby baby when yes okay um but no so that um Celine Dion that song makes me and I'm not I'm not in the Shania Twain way but like there's something about that song that makes you feel like a woman. Mm, the vulnerability. And it's just, it's, and like one of my, like one of my things that I do on Sunday is like I clean and my main cleaning playlist is like Celine Dion and like all stuff like that. And it's just like, it feels, it's a different type of confidence. Like if you listen to the lyrics, she's like, um, she finished crying the instant that she left and she never wasted a tear on him that like on a day since then. Like, and it's just you, it's, it's women empowerment, but also when you touch me like this, like, it's just like you remember, but also like, are you strong? I don't know. It's just, 
such a woman song and the emotion, like she's whispering, you hear the conversations that she's having within that song at the end when she like gets, obviously in my mind, she gets back with the guy at the end. She's like, and when we, and then it like fades off. It's so intimate. It's so sexy. It's so, it's just a woman song. Like you just, yeah, I don't know. It's the essence of, and Celine Dion has so many songs like that. Like I, she's my, as I said, my cleaning playlist, but all coming back to me now is just so powerful. So the lyrics are just so back and forth. She's like, I don't need you. I don't need you. But when you touch me like this, and when you hold me like that, you know what I mean? It's like, I, you've been there. You know, I think we all have. And that's interesting. You said like a woman. And I think a lot of times when people, if you say like, oh, this makes me feel like a woman, they, they would make the, the, the assumption that you mean, like, as opposed to feeling masculine, it's like, no, you mean as opposed to feeling like a child, because as yeah. a child, yeah. your understanding of relationships are, well, if someone does me wrong, then I, it's over. And you haven't actually felt anything. If you think it's that simple, if you mm-hmm. think it's, if you can just run away from your feelings, you haven't really had me. You know what I mean? That is, that is a big part of womanhood, of adulthood, is understanding that situations are not black and white. Yeah. And that yeah. you get the, the vulnerability in this song is really important. I love that. Yeah. And I, that, I think, yeah, like, so not on the essence of like being like, I guess, yeah, like gender specific, oh, only a woman could, you know, but it's just like, for me, yeah, when I first had, it was like, took me from those feelings, like those adult feelings. I feel, I feel feminine. Like I feel the romance. I feel the vulnerability. I feel like, I feel that song. I don't know who I'm even singing it to, but I feel every emotion in the shower of that. And, uh, yeah, that's why I love that song. I just do. Just if I could like, like paint a visual to that song, it makes me think of like the Venus de Milo. Like it's just it's like the divine feminine energy. Like <laughs> yes, yes, and I think I think Celine Dion embodies that. She's just like divinely feminine. She's wonderful. That is someone who like when the world opens up again. I I I, I cannot wait to be an old bitch in the casino at somebody's residency. I want to go to Vegas and I just want to go to shows in Vegas. I, you know, I'm too, I'm not too old for the club. I just don't want to, you know, I'm not yeah. trying to stand up in my three inch heels all night. I want to go to a concert and I want to just sing and scream my, my, my heart out. Can't, I can't wait to go to another concert, man. Me neither. Okay, give me, let's keep it moving on our list of tracks. That was a wonderful song. So far we've mm-hmm. got Nia, we've got, Lowane and we've got Celine Dion, three people that would be very interesting to have dinner with. Tell me who your number two is. Um, number two is going to be Black Dog by Led Zeppelin. Oh. And um, Led Zeppelin was very instrumental to me um, growing up. It was, um, that was a band that my, it was oddly enough, like my dad and, um, and I kind of during like their discography myself like in high school and um got really interested in like Jimmy Page like going on Wikipedia wormholes like how these people like might have been Satanists and might have been in this and then um one of the things I loved about Led Zeppelin especially about this song is Jimmy Page was very talked very much about how black musicians influenced and um paved the way for like the type of music that he had like the type of music that he made and it's very referenced within the song um so the song is it's a it's very like you know old school rocky but for me i hear it and it has these 
it has our beats in it. Like the way mm. the guitar sounds very like, I don't know, like in, and for me, like when I listen to the lyrics, I don't know if you've ever heard it, but it's just like, I feel like he's singing to a black woman. Like I, you know, um, oh, I'm looking at the lyrics and for yeah, sure. He's like, he is. Yeah. It's like big leg woman ain't got no, like <laughs> big leg woman ain't got my soul. Like, Hey mama, bring it. Like, it just seems very like sexual, very, I don't know. I, I, I it's very, I love that song. Just, hey, baby, oh, baby. Like, it's very rocky, very dark, very has some R&B beats. The way that the, the drums are played, it's like, didn't, let's, they're, they're slowed beats instead of, like, the original, um, what do you call those, like, the airplane type um, drum beats. It's very R&B style. Dun, 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 dun. Like, if you listen, very slowed, mm-hmm. um, which is different from a lot of their other music. Um, but Led Zeppelin, I feel, is very versatile. They, they've, they can do... Um, they're wrong. And also I love all the Lord of the Rings references that they have. They're nerdy just as I am. Um, but, but Black Dog was very, uh, I, I love that song and it always goes back to how it makes me feel, but that song made me feel sexy. It made me feel, um, <laughs> badass. Um, it makes me, and it just reminds me of a lot of, re- like that was that time period when I was like looking to very, seeing how, Black musicians really did influence a lot of the music that people are like, oh, rock and roll is white. Like rock and roll is this. And I'm like, actually, no, <laughs> it's not. Yes. And, you can, and you can very much see that in, and hear that in, in that song um, for me. That was like one of the ones I'm just like this, even though this is a Led Zeppelin song, this is like our song. Like, you I can't don't. deny that there's like a blue sentiment to it. I mean, also like, it's funny yeah. to look at the lyrics. I'm, I'm sorry. If you say any word with an N and an apostrophe at the end of it, you are copying a black Southern cadence. That's what that is. That is AAVE. Yeah. So if you're rolling and a, and a big lead woman ain't got no soul, like that is like, that is the way we speak. It is just, yeah. it is ingrained in us. It is very funny. Um, you know, there's the online debate waging over like, is this AAV or just Gen Z speak? <laughs> And it's I'm like, like, no, ma'am. <laughs> no, we, no. I'm not playing with y'all. <laughs> I don't even entertain it. Anytime those videos come up, I'm like, I'm done. I'm not, I'm not arguing yeah. with y'all. I'm not going back and forth no more. You I, just, I can't, you can't tell me something my grandma told me was some shit that uh, Billie Eilish made up. Like, I don't, you just, yeah. I'm not going to allow it. <laughs> no. I'm really loving that cho- that choice of song. I think it creates like a really great, and it speaks to, I was curious about if you were going to mention anything having to do with rock, because I have yeah. looked at your like junior high pictures and I know you went through your emo phase. So I was yeah. curious about like your relationship of connecting like rock music and R&B to hip hop and like feeling ownership yeah. of it all or feeling it's, it's a weird thing. Like as a, I just remember being a black teen in the 2000s and liking rock music and having people tell me it was white people shit and being like, no. Yeah. Oh. and it was and it was black people who would say that and be like no it's it's for us it's for everybody but it's very much for us it wouldn't exist well, without us you know well there was two different in that two different communities because i was super emo like was like punk rock and stuff like that and that was really hard because that was a very i would say white people oriented thing and that was like really hard to push your, yourself into but rock, like when i think of rock like my so my my dad and my mom were very much into like old school rock like and my my family's my majority of my family's are musicians so we had like let's on record you know um i have like billy idol i have you know this like this things like that were you know phil collins was one of my was one of the things we had on record like genesis van halen these are things that, like i grew up on and i appreciate very i 
appreciate really real guitar. Like I can listen to music, pop music and stuff like that. And I know when they're using, um, fake things or those fake beats, fake guitars, like electronic stuff. That's not real just because of the base of where that comes. And, um, but listening to all that music is really what made me when I was younger, I really wanted to be, I thought I wanted to be a bass player. And I did take lessons and stuff for a while when I was younger. Um, but it would just was not for me. And what's so funny is, but what's so funny is my, I have a little brother, he's five years younger than me. And so when I started doing my lessons and I just gave up, he, I just gave him my guitars and bass and he literally, my, my he, it was like, he was a prodigy. He could play anything by ear. And he just like picked it up and started playing seriously, like, um, smoke on the water, Jimi Hendrix, he could play over the hills and far away by let's up. And it was just, um, very implemental. So I, I feel, um, as I said, like rock, um, that type of music is very much ours. It, it, the, the, and if, and if you listen to, especially I think when you listen to not the lyrics, but if you're really listening to the guitar and drum beats, I don't know where you grew up. If your parents ever listened to like Zydeco or if you're ever, you know, into that. You know, I'm from, you know my parents are from Lafayette and Thibodeau, Louisiana. Okay. I know so you know Zydeco. Yeah. Sometimes you'll listen to older like rock music and they have like the Zydeco drum beats like in it, you know, like, and it's recognizable. Like I'll hear stuff and I'm just like, wait, like that's from... Like, that's art. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's Zydeco or, um, the way that like beat, like drum beats are slowed down. It's like, no, that's an art. Like, that's why sometimes rock music will feel comfortable to you. And you won't even realize it. It's because like, they've taken like something that sounds familiar. And then you're like, wait, I don't know. That's, that's why, I, that's how I feel about this song. It's a very familiar feeling when you hear black dog. It's like very. I love that. I love yeah. that so much. Let's get into our next song and then that will actually wrap it up and then we can do our uh, listener letter. So tell oh, me, yeah. and of course your number one doesn't have, so, like, would you say your number one is ranked for a reason or do you just want to save it? Um, my number one is ranked for a reason, but also, yeah, it's my, my number, my, it's ranked for a reason. Um, my number one is don't make my eye, don't it make, don't make my eyebrows high. Don't it make my eyes brown eyes blue by Crystal Gale. It's an old country song um, that when it, it, it's, it is very special to me. Like this is the one that actually like, you know, has a story. I grew up in a, my mom was a single mom, grew up in a mixed race family. My grandma was white. And when she would um, like my mom worked multiple jobs and also um, was getting her degree when she, when she gave birth to me. So I stayed uh, at home with my grandma. And this was one of the songs she would play on record. Like, and she would teach me to sing and like, she would sing to me to bed. And, um, it just became like this song. It was like one of the first songs that I've ever, that I ever performed. It was like me and my grandma's song, you know? So then when I got like older and, um, you know, my fear, you know, when you're like five or six in your family is like, Oh, go sing and go do this. Like that was always a song. They were like, sing this. And that would make, my grandma happy or make my grandparents, my family happy. Like that was like that song. And, you know, um, my grandma passed in 2016 and I just, um, one of the last things she asked me to do was sing that song for her, you know? Um, cause I was just like our, you know, that was like one of the first like things that she ever taught me. And I'm sorry, I'm like, I'm going to cry. I miss my grandma so much. Um, and, uh, yeah. So that was like one of the, the last things that, um, 
we did. We sang that together. So I love that song. It's just, just reminds me of different times and it's just so, Oh, yeah. <laughs> sorry. I don't mean to cry, but yeah. It's okay, babe. You are not the first person to music. A lot of times connects us to, it's one of the ways that we cope with our grief. I, if music, it feels like music is somewhere between acceptance and bargaining because it is our way of connecting with that person. And it's one of the last things you can do for them. And, you know, it can just bring you to like, I, if I heard Louis Armstrong's you know, what a wonderful world. I would just bawl and cry right now because it reminds me of my grandmother. And it, and the funny thing is, it's not a sad cry. It's just like, it's the joy in having known someone and like the, the human element of being able to summon up those feelings. And a couple chords can make you feel that way. And, you know, I mean, that's why I have this like deep admiration slash resentment towards musicians because ain't nobody ever gonna, like if I ever make you cry at a comedy show, I did something very wrong. <laughs> <laughs> like, my jokes will never resonate. No one's ever going to be like, ooh, 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 ooh. Do, do the one about uncircumcised dicks. My, dude, my granddaddy loved that one. It's not a thing. Yeah. This is such a real thing for you. Thank you so much for sharing that with me. That was so special. And I can't wait to listen to this. I've never heard of it before in my life, but I'm super excited to like take it in and know what it is for you listening to it. It, and, and, and the feel of it, that's another thing is, I mean, we had it on, my grandma had one of those like old, like record players and you could hear the, when it would play, like the, you know, when it would like skip that, that noise, that like you could hear, it just sounds very old sounding and like the piano sounds very, it is a very older sounding song. And, um, Crystal Gale has a really beautiful voice and, uh, I don't know. It's just like the time period of that. And then just like the memories of hearing it, that's the way that it sounds. And that's also just like one of the first songs I ever learned to sing. And it was with me and my grandma, you know, it's just, um, just, a it's, it's, it's just a really cute song, I think too, as well. So. That is wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Like I said, I knew you were going to take me on an emotional journey. We got, <laughs> we got, uh, you know, we, we got from things that reminded you to just like wanting to be in love to things that remind you of a person you love very, very much. And that's what this podcast is all about. It's all about how music connects us to love. So speaking of which, what we like to do is we reach out to people who have issues or concerns with love. Our last segment of the show is our listener line. It is our call-in segment because I used to be a radio DJ and that was my favorite thing was when people would call in and, you know, share people's business. So I want to know, what is going on with our listeners? And I think this week we have a, a letter, a voicemail. So if our um, if our wonderful producer can play that for us, you and I are going to listen to the problem, and then we're going to each pick a song that is the the right dedicated song for this person's problem. Let's go for Ooh. it. Hi, I really need some relationship advice. Um, my ex boyfriend, who I no longer have feelings for, randomly kissed me. And I just don't know what to do. I don't know if I should tell my current boyfriend. I don't want to upset him, but I want to do the right thing. Please give me some advice. Thank you. I, instantly I'm laughing because I'm just like, kissing in a pandemic? <laughs> in a pan dolce? In a panorama? In a, a panasonic? <laughs> Oh, no. I mean, first of all, you have to tell him because of germs and all of that. You have to tell him because it's an invasion of your bubble, perchance. You know what I mean? That's something he needs to know. Um, but here's the thing. 
What is the relationship you want to have with your ex-boyfriend? I noticed you called him your ex-boyfriend. You didn't say my best friend, who's also my ex. Here's the thing is, I think a lot of times, and you know I love to pick on air signs, a lot of times, I don't know if you're an air sign, but I'm making that assumption. People love to feel wanted. So having someone in your life who you know wants you makes you feel good. So you're like, this person clearly wants you so much they kiss you and... I'm sorry. I don't believe in the whole movie thing where they just wind up to the kid. People don't just yeah. sucker kiss you. They don't just kiss like, you oh, in the mouth. <laughs> like how, like if he was your ex, like you, there had to have been a plan. Like you don't just be hanging out with your ex. Like, Oh, oops. He just ran into you at a grocery store and kissed you. Like girl, you kind of sought that out. Yes. Just saying. I'm going to, you, you know, you, you, you put yourself you, in this. Mm-hmm. Something mm-hmm. happened to put you in the position where it was possible to happen. So I think mm-hmm. part of it is you like dangling a carrot. You might be a monkey bar. I used to talk about this on my podcast, Extra Salty, that I used to do all the time. A monkey bar is a person who doesn't let go of one bar until they have a firm grasp on the other. So you might be mar- monkey barring back and forth with your boyfriend now and your ex-boyfriend, you know, trying to figure out what it is that you want. So I think, first of all, if you know that you just want to be friends with this ex, then you need to say, don't ever kiss me again. I'm not interested in you that way. And we're not going to be alone together. You know, we're mm-hmm. cool. We're friends, but you need to respect my boundaries. However, your question was, should I tell my boyfriend? Your question wasn't, how should I handle this? So it sounds like to me, you're just, I think you just like attention. So I, not to, <laughs> here I go attacking our listeners. But I, as I was talking, the answer came to me. I'm going to go ahead and play Charlie Puth's attention. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I think you need to figure out <laughs> what you want, what you want out of this situation first before you make a move but be as respectful and as kind as possible to both people. And I hate that you're in this situation, but you know, like be cautious of what you are, what you are attracting, but I'm not saying that you like, you know, deserve to be harassed or anything like that. But if this person felt comfortable enough to kiss you, you might've given them an end and not even meant to. So maybe, maybe attention is too mean. All right, Air, you, you pick a sign. I'm going to try and make it less mean. <laughs> Okay, I am stuck, and it's gonna be—it's so—it's weird. It's '80s. It's your love out by the outfield, and it's um talking about an ex, and it's it's a guy talking about his ex, and he's telling her like, uh, it's like Juicy's on a vacation far away. Come around and talk it over, and then he's like, I just want to use your love tonight. tonight. <laughs> it's saying right into the mic for that, right? And but also like the the end is like, you know, he doesn't, you know, they don't know what they want, but it was like, you know, why you came over there? You knew your man was gone, and you went over there. You wanted to get kissed, so he didn't want to use your love. Tonight. I feel like you um I don't think people like I'm I'm indifferent about why people seek out different types of relationships or attention. Sometimes I feel like, especially when it comes to intimacy, you might not be getting what you wanted from the relationship that you're having because you don't go out searching for things you just don't need. Like people don't just do that. Unless you're a chaotic person. Unless you're chaotic. I don't know. Some people choose chaos. But sometimes unintentionally, we're like, well, you're missing that certain type of intimacy. Like you sought that out. Like there have been times where it's like, I don't know how that happened. But mentally it's like, no, I didn't wear a bra to the club. I knew 
I was gonna <laughs> get, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's all I'm gonna say. Um, I think that maybe you need to think about where you're at, you know, on both sides with your man. Not saying you need to get back with your ex, but why are you searching out intimacy from other people? Like, are you good internally? Like, what? Are, what is it? What's going on, girl? I think that is great advice, and I think you hit the nail on the head on what it like. It's like you have to listen to yourself and say, "What are you looking for?" And give yourself. The funny thing is, I almost chose where I want to be by Donnell Jones because it sounds like she needs to figure out where she wants to be but I literally went on this rant last episode about how much I hate that fucking song because it's a fuckboy anthem and I don't want to call you a fuck girl because sometimes it's not your fault that he kissed you per se but you know you need to draw harder boundaries so I think we our, our advice to you is to draw boundaries figure out what you want and then proceed accordingly um, but you do have responsibility to be honest with people about where they stand with you. And I think sometimes, sometimes people like the, they like the attention. They like the chase and um, that outfield song, a classic, by the way, thank you for <laughs> As you leave it, please don't just close the door. It's going to be a random playlist. It is going to be so random and so fun. And that's what I love. I want someone to stumble on this playlist and go, who the hell is Era Juliet. I got to listen to this. <laughs> All That's right. She's hilarious. <laughs> she's hilarious. She is multifaceted. She is a force to be reckoned with and she is the freaking best. And that's actually going to wrap up our episode for today. So if people loved you and love listening to you today, how can they find you and get more of you? Oh, um, you can find me. You can catch me on Instagram. It's my first and middle name, Era. That's A-I-R-A. And then Juliet, as in Romeo and Juliet. You can find me on Instagram. Um, it's also the same on Venmo and on Cash App. How random is that? Like, if you want to get a hold of me, you can also pay me for my labors. Anyways, um, but yeah, I'm just posted here in the Pan Dolce at my apartment on Instagram and on Venmo and Cash App. Yeah, and you can also listen to her podcast, uh, Two Broke Bitches, uh, which is available on Spotify, Apple, all the streaming things. And it's just a blast featuring Colton Dowling, and it's a it's a great show. So we're looking forward to just seeing what amazing things you continue to do, um, just breaking some awesome points. You know, I, I didn't think we'd be talking about so many deep topics here from, like, how to, how to deal with uh, the artists that are problematic that we still love you know the effects of colorism and music you just really took me on an adventure and i'm so glad we did this thank you again for coming on the pod thank you for inviting me and having me loving me supporting me of course well thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of rhythm and bay podcast as always i'm jasmine ellis you can find rhythm and bay podcast on instagram at rhythm and bay podcast you can email us and send us your listener letters or or questions and you know we promise we won't be too mean to you um so feel free to email us or leave us a voicemail you can call our number um or leave us an email at rhythm and bay podcast and if you need to hit us up on twitter which would be great follow us on twitter it is bay rhythm and i made a mistake and i can't fix it so on twitter it is bay rhythm and i have to live with the shame forever we're also on patreon at rhythm and bay podcast so you know follow me follow along for more dyslexic mistakes just like that one as always i'm jasmine ellis on all the things at jasmine ellis comedy thank you guys so much and keep it smooth